Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Rapid Recap here inside Nebraska. He's Greg Smith, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we're, uh, we're coming to you from about a low to mid, maybe high 80s, second level concourse here at Memorial Stadium. 102 degrees outside, but still, Marcus Satterfield, Barrett Liebentritt, and Ethan Piper, more importantly, uh, not more importantly just for the fact of he is the one who talked more specifically about beating the heat. Yeah. He had his two jugs of water yeah. with him as well. Electrolytes. I, like I need them as well. I refilled my water before we came up here. He's, yeah, he said he had a backpack full of electrolytes. Yeah. I'm sure that makes the nutrition staff and Matt Rule very happy. Yeah, I mean, we uh, we are coming in here. It's the second day now for UNL classes, and uh, students are walking all around the campus, and you see them dealing with the heat, football teams dealing with the heat. But uh, Ethan Piper did talk about it. Um, he said just it builds your mental toughness because if you can go out and play 40 plays hard in a row here then you can down the line 80 plays hard um in any games down the line if you play 40 straight hard today uh, because he said you beat minnesota on days like today and like and also something that we've talked about before that uh nebraska teams i think in the 90s would appreciate is he said tuesdays and wednesdays should be your hardest practice days because it makes the games a layup. That's right. And I think that that's trying to, it feels like that's been the theme of fall camp though, right? Matt Rule has talked about that several mm -hmm. times about making these practices so difficult. And he said, I think he said it a couple of times too, that this is probably the hardest thing that a lot of these guys have ever done, mm -hmm. particularly the young players um, who haven't really experienced a full-fledged fall camp. And then it had been, I think it was, I think it was Piper that had mentioned it, it had been 80s of cloud cover and mm -hmm. now we get... You Last know, year's this, fall this, camp yeah, was 80s. He said we get this basically this oppressive heat out here and so it gives them another layer. It's, it's weird. You you can just spin it to another thing of, hey, this is something to overcome and something that you'll just have to deal with. Do you think your opponent's quitting right now? No, so you right. go out there and do it kind of thing. I'm sure the coaches jumped all over that. I mean, hey, that's what you have to do. You have to try and pull any sort of motivational tactic you can yeah. out of have your have your rear end to, on days like today when no one wants to be out there. I mean, when I was in high school, my, uh, my friends would say, your brother could do five more reps of this, <laughs> keep going. So it's like there's always one of those little mm -hmm. things to try to internally motivate you. Um, but as, uh, as far as Satterfield goes, wanted to sort of transition to him, some of the stuff he talked about. Um, I know Jeff Sims was on, uh, is something that caught your, yeah. your attention because um, he, he talked a little bit about what the goals are there. Yeah, because a couple of the things that have started to catch my eye, that, you know, Matt Rule had previously spoken about, he wouldn't have known that Jeff Sims had turned the ball over as much as he had um, just by watching him in practice and then kind of noted that all of those picks weren't his fault. Um, to then transition into today, Satterfield talking about his career completion percentage around 60, I think is when it is, and he thinks, Satterfield thinks that Sims needs to be at about 65 because that's a, the mark of a good quarterback, and I agree that that's a really good spot. If he's at that, then Nebraska's probably doing pretty well. Um, and that really caught my attention that you kind of laid out um, some baseline goals for your quarterback that they're very high on internally. We just need to see it in games. Yeah, I think it was 57 and a half completion percentage in Georgia Tech. I think that's the number that's sticking out to me right now. And also the 31 turnovers, 23 interceptions, eight fumbles lost in his first three seasons at, at Georgia Tech, which um, like you said, Rule was surprised about that. Like to hear he actually watched the Big Ten Network uh, show when Nebraska came to, <laughs> or, or when BTN came for Nebraska Day. And that's when that stat, the 31 turnovers, the most for any returning player in college football this season pretty, pretty heavily and I feel like also that was one of maybe a, a rule kind of defending his guy kind mm -hmm. of situation too yeah and I'm uh there's a, a, a poster on our board I think it was uh Brasky Pants shout out Brasky Pants well, who pointed out that a good chunk of those turnovers uh came 
during not just Sims freshman year, but the first few games of his freshman season at Georgia Tech. So there's a lot of growth potential there. And I know in spring ball, Sims was sort of having trouble with, um, with some accuracy issues and maybe not taking care of the ball or not making the best uh, quick decisions. Yeah. But I think a lot of that was based on the fact that he was, there was just so much being thrown at him in a new environment, completely new teammates repping out there for the first time in a Marcus Satterfield offense that is known to be very complex. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, Satterfield also, on top of the Sims, the Sims talk, he talked about Anthony Grant, who um, obviously on Saturday, if you're watching this, you probably know that Rule talked about Gabe Irvin is our clear-cut number one guy, and Ramir Johnson's the third down back. But then he got into Anthony Grant a little bit more, talking about how Grant has, he, he's a great player, great back, great kid, all those, all those type of things, but uh, he's put the ball on the ground too many times, he's fumbled too many too many times and actually the last open practice session last Tuesday uh, I was over watching the running backs quite a bit and Anthony Grant on a they're working on a quick pitch play he dropped the ball under the ground and then he had to come back and do the rep and it was just one of those things you sort of jog down your notes no not sure if it's a big deal or, or not but then you harken back to it when you start hearing about the ball security issues that Grant's had. Yeah, and I think that it's something too that all of the coaches have been really mindful to also make sure to say, and Satterfield did it again today, that he thinks that Anthony Grant could be one of the better running backs in the conference, right? And we kind of saw that last mm -hmm. year for a stretch of time in the beginning of the season especially, um, and then it kind of went sideways later for various reasons, uh, not just all on AG. Um, but so I, I think they try to build him up, but also stay realistic about what it is that he needs to work on. Um, and the message is clear, <laughs> take care of the football and we'll be seeing Anthony Grant this fall. Yeah, that was, uh, you mentioned it, uh, you, you touched on it. That's something I, I, I feel like I have sort of burned in the back of my brain because I've written it down like five times in five different articles. It's through five games last season. Anthony Grant was among the <laughs> Big Ten's elite in, in multiple statistical categories, and the Big Ten has some of the best running backs yeah. in the nation, the most used running backs in the nation. Yeah. He had 114 carries, 600 yards, and I believe five, six touchdowns. I can't remember the touchdowns total, so I guess they aren't yeah. totally burned in the back <laughs> right. of my brain. But then over the last seven games, 114 carries for 315 yards and only one touchdown. So we saw the sort of explosion out of the gate, and then we saw those taper off, like you said, for a number of reasons. But um, I think Grant is one of those guys who, if he, if he takes care of those, then behind a new, completely new offense that's predicated on running the ball, offensive line that has that message and a couple new guys on there that we could see a guy like him and Gabe Irvin shine this year. Yeah, I think that could potentially, I think the best case scenario is a really nice one-two punch there um, for when you get into that back half of the season especially and then mixing Ramir Johnson in there. I think that you could have a really nice rushing attack if it all comes together. Yeah, I think Rule mentioned a one-two-three there if, yeah. if, if Grant does take care of those ball, ball security issues. But uh, that, that's it from the players press conference Barrett Liebentrip also he's uh his stock's kind of rising as that fullback um Notre Dame walk-on from uh from Omaha Scut and he came back to Nebraska to be a walk-on fullback here uh his his stock's rising um talked about how he loves to hit and everything like that but you can read about that inside Nebraska.com where Steve Mark uh, wrote up about about Barrett but the last thing before we get out of here um is the breaking news that happened um pretty much right in the middle of the press conference today, right after it ended, is uh, Nebraska Assistant President Ted Carter. He's leaving to become the next president at Ohio State. 
which is uh, pretty impactful, and there are a lot of reasons why, especially when it comes to this football program. Yeah, I mean, he was really instrumental, Ted Carter was, and kind of and has been credited by several people. It's not just speculation um, to help to recruit Matt Rule. Matt Rule has spoken glowingly about Ted Carter and their kind of budding relationship and kind of how he was able to be recruited by Ted and what he thought of him as a man. Um, so to have that blow happen right before the season opener, the time is going to be weird there. Mm -hmm. um, I think Nebraska will be okay in the long run. Like the president of the university is not going to win or lose Nebraska football games. That's going to be on Matt Rule and his staff. Um, but it is a big noteworthy situation, though, given how present Ted Carter was in athletics, and that seemed to be his big focus. Yeah, just recently in June, the Nebraska Board of Regents had voted unanimously to uh, to make Ted Carter the, that representative at the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors. So he had a seat at the table for making, having a voice and having a seat at the table for some of those big decisions in the conference, like voting on the conference commissioner, for instance, right. which is something that... Realignment and all the right. things that have happened there. Yeah. Exactly. And like like you mentioned, Greg, he was, he was uh, instrumental in bringing rule here and um, in the contract negotiations when those, the buyout negotiations sort of stalled out between uh, Nebraska Rule and the Carolina Panthers. I know Carter had a big role in that. Um, Matt Rule in May, the first week of May, I think it was May 10th, that um, during a speech at the Lincoln Chamber of Commerce, the Face Chamber event, he talked, to, he talked a lot. He gave effusive praise about Ted Carter and how Bill Belichick and Mike Lombardi and then his wife yeah. all told him, you're crazy if you don't go, go work for Ted Carter, the Admiral, yeah. nicknamed the Admiral. He said, go work for the Admiral is what all of those guys pretty much told him. So um, I, I just think it's most impactful. And, and the thing that I keep harping on is that alignment. Nebraska's finally had, uh, has, Nebraska seems to finally fixed or is finally on the way to fixing its biggest issue that Trev Albert said mm -hmm. uh, was the biggest issue facing the, the program in the last 20 years. And that's misdirection or not, not having alignment. And from Carter to Trev to Matt Rule and then to his assistants and players, they're all line now. Yeah, and we're, we're going to see. Now, now it gets interesting is the, you, the next hire, you make that still with athletics at the forefront, that you have someone that's more of an academic. Like, what, what happens there? I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about as we move forward there as it relates to Nebraska athletics. Yep, and as we talk about it, you can jump on the Insiders board at InsideNebraska.com to join the discussion. Uh, we're having a lively discussion over there. <laughs> as we speak, as we're recording this on Tuesday, you can also find our feature stories on Ethan Piper, Barrett Liebentrip. Uh, Steve wrote up a an offensive depth chart projection yep. and defensive depth chart projection. Special teams is coming tomorrow on Wednesday, so you can, uh, you can hop on our site and uh, check out all of that and the rest of our fall camp coverage and our preseason coverage as yeah. we're, like you said, the gray period. We're, we're in the gray, in the gray period. Gray. Um, so we have, we're through 19 practices. We got uh, five more to go before 831 when Nebraska opens up against Minnesota. Uh, that. For Greg Smith, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we'll catch you guys again next time.